Amen. God bless you, Sixto, my pastor, my friend, colleague, all those good things. Let me set up, as you guys know. Um, praise God. Let us open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 27, I Thank you, son. Yeah. It's cold, too. Praise the Lord. Uh, we got the 44 verses to read. Why are you guys laughing? Ain't going to happen. <laughs> uh, you already know, right? <laughs> that is so unethical. <laughs> Praise God, and thank God for, for Nancy, right? She has that command. You will not preach on Sunday. <laughs> uh, God uses wise women, right? She knows. She knows. But thank God, I prayed hard. Lord, help me. Praise the Lord, help me. But I want to help Sixto, too, right? And hopefully the Lord will will speak to us, I pray, I hope, praise the Lord. Um, one of the things is, I'm going to read one verse, and then we'll kind of cover the story afterwards. Maybe we'll walk it back a little uh, to see what this whole story is about. Um, this is, a, as we know, the book of Acts, written by Luke. And in the story, we're going to see that Luke is the one that's writing this story. So we have Luke, and we have we have Luke, and we have a fellow named Aristarchus that we will see in verse two later on. Or you may look at it now. So there are three. Three members, Paul, Luke the writer, and Aristarchus. These are the names that when you read the story, you see the word, we sail, we did this, we did, we did that. This is the writer speaking of himself that finds himself on this journey with the great apostle Paul. So let us read the verse that came into mind, the verse that I read and it kind of impacted me when I first read it a while ago. Sometimes I have a habit of when I read things, and some things, you ever read a, a verse or you ever read scripture? This is the power and the beauty of scripture. This is why there's so much high exhortation for you to educate yourself, for you to find out for yourself, for you to read the Bible, for you to, to, to depend on God, to rely on God, to speak to you. And he does this through scripture. 
I mean, we would love to have visions, and I would love to see angels. I've never seen an angel. Who's seen an angel here? Oh, not too many. Oh, Angel Paris, right? Now, some people, some people have names that are, right? Honoring names like angel, right? Wow. So right away, right? But not too many people have experiences with angels. I, I know of one guy that used to come to this congregation, Charlie, and you guys know Charlie. And Charlie, and I can't remember his whole testimony, but I do remember bits of it that it was an angel that, that rescued him from, an, from, a, from, from a gang, from a situation, because that, that personage or that person appear and then disappear. A unique experience, you know, and others. And there's testimonies out there of people that have had such experiences. But in this house, this morning, nobody's got an experience like that, right? So, but, but uh, nothing wrong with that. I would love to see that. I would, but no, most of the time, God speaks through us, through scriptures, through sermons, through teachings, right? It's the practical way. And then when I was reading, when I was reading a daily devotional, this just popped at me. You know, that part of it, I don't know why, it just, it just jumps at you. And it, and it jumped at me, and I wrote it down, and I put it on the side, because who knows when, you know, I may be able to use this. And I have a habit of doing with a lot of things like that. And sometimes I, I end up using it, or sometimes it's for that moment that God is speaking to my heart, uh, you know, and I feel it deep in me. It jumps out of me. Out of all the things that I read, that particular things jumped at me. And in, in, and in this case, what jumped at me was verse 31. As I was reading this whole story, was one of the things that jumped at me. Um, no, I'm sorry, verse 32. 30, 31 is part of it, but 32 was the one that jumped at me. And it goes like this. Then Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Unless you stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. 32 says, so, so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Now, think about that. <laughs> Sometimes you got to cut the lifeboat and let it fall away. That's what jumped at me. That there are things in our lives that you think that's that thing that's saving your life. The things that you hold on to the most. The things that you depend on. Ain't nothing wrong with lifeboats. I won't get on a ship that didn't have one. Right? Lifeboats are important. But lifeboats are not everything. Not in this case, not in this story, not in this situation. And so that jumped at me, man. What lifeboats are you holding on to that God is telling you, you got to let it go? And if you got to let it go means what? You are dependent totally on him. This is an encouragement to totally depend Rely on God. This is a story that shows you, as the writer writes, that sometimes we don't see God at work.
but God is working in the background. God is working in the scene. God is working in your favor, even though you haven't been too favorable towards him. Yet his mercy reaches out. His mercy covers us. How many, how many came here because God's mercy covered you? Oh, I speak here in the front, but I'm saying, God, cover me with your grace. Cover me with your mercy because I'm not worthy. Oh, my Lord, how unworthy. You guys have no idea how unworthy I am. You don't, but I do. And so I tell God, cover me with your grace. Cover me with your mercy for my lips are unclean and you are so holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sarah, take me in prayer, please. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. And I kind of already started preaching without realizing that I'm already preaching. Praise the Lord. But God is good and God is awesome. So we see here a story, a story of Paul sailing to Rome. This is a story of Paul sailing to Rome. And in that story, as I already had covered, one of the things, if you look from 27 on, and even before that, right, what, what process Paul is going through, and in this, and this scene in 27, in his, in his um, as, as Paul is being persecuted, as he has entered Jerusalem, he has become a witness in the midst of, of his own people, in the midst of his own homeland or the land, Jerusalem, that they all adore, right? Paul, they, they, they rejected him. The religious leadership, the Sanhedrin, and the scripture tells us that he was under persecuted. They, they wanted to kill him. They had made a vow. So many men had made a vow that they were setting out, at, even at the cost of their own lives, to kill Paul. So we see the kind of pressure that he's in. And so he appeals to Caesar, and that appealing to Caesar is like appealing to the Supreme Court, you know, to the, the highest voice of the land. The highest, um, the highest uh, court, or in that case, the emperor, the highest person you can go to, to, to hear your case, to, to give a verdict in your favor or against your favor. And uh, they take it to the Supreme Court, the Roman emperor, which in that time was Nero. So he appeals. He says, I appeal to Caesar. Even though most of the time, even in that same story, it says that they, they, they were baffled because they said, this is an innocent man. And yet he's being accused, right, of something that he is not 
guilty of. And because, you know, isn't that, doesn't that hurt when somebody accuses you of something you're not guilty of? That could be that alone right there. I, I don't know how many have been accused of something that, that you didn't do. And, and that's not, you have been accused of something you didn't do. And that's not easy to, to deal with, right? It's not how, how you cope with that, how you deal with that, right? But Paul, you know, one thing about Paul is he trusted it all in God's hands. And now he appeals to Caesar. He uses that intellect of his to, to appeal to Caesar. And so he appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar he must go. And so we find ourselves in the story where in 27 they're sailing to Rome. And in that sailing, a lot of things happen on this journey that he foretakes. That I guess none of them would have known, right, what was going to happen. Because one of the things is that we know about life is, and one of the things that in this whole story, if you look at verse 13 there, and I'll, and I'll jump a little back and forth with certain things, but in, in verse 13, right, it tells us that there was a gentle south wind, right? And that things, because sometimes things look well, right? Sometimes the, sometimes the wind is smooth and the wind is in our favor and everything is going well. But you don't know that around the corner, a storm is coming. Because the next verse tells us that there was going to be a storm, a hurricane. In, in other, in a, they have a name for it. Um, they call it a, a northeaster here. But they, it has another name in some versions. It gives a name. But it, not in this one. But bottom line is interpreted as a northeaster. A very strong storm, almost like a typhoon kind of storm. Very, very, uh, uh, not, not, just, and not just a regular storm, but a, a life-destroying storm. And that's sometimes, sometimes that's, that's what, how we end up getting caught up. In. Some of us sometimes don't know that, that a storm is coming around us. Because let me tell you, in this world, we are going to face storms. There may be a gentle south wind in your favor now, but let me tell you, hopefully not, but a northeastern might come your way. And in this story, it could have been avoided. This is, in this storm, in this storm was something that could have been avoided. If they would have listened to Paul. Now, Paul is not the captain. Paul does not own the ship. But Paul is the man of God. <laughs> Me and you may not have much, but we have a connection with Christ. And in this story... You know, you have reason and logic taking place here. And that may be your lifeboat. You depend on whatever you have. You depend on your money. You depend on your intellect. You depend whatever, whatever that lifeboat may be to you that you rely on, that you hold on to, that you look at. May, that may be your lifeboat. But that lifeboat ain't going to save you. As, look as, it, as good as it looks. 
as good as it looks, ain't going to be able to save you. And in this story, you look, you look at verse 10. This is Paul speaking, telling them, because one thing, this journey, and, and, and I love about this journey, because in this journey, if you look at verse 3, it says that, that as they sail on to go to Rome, to go to Italy, right? Things go well, but Paul, being the man of God, being the apostle of God. But not only that, this is a man that has, does Paul know no hardship? Paul knows a lot of hardship. This is a man that has suffered greatly. This is a man that, that his experience alone is kind of being used and displayed here. Because I know the Bible, and I think it's, I think it's the last chapter of 2 Corinthians, I think. Or, or the first Corinthians, the second, it tells you all the hardships that he went through, the weapons that he went through, all that. And in that, he, te he tells us in those stories that, that he's been to, through shipwrecked. He knows what it's like to be, to be shipwrecked, to, 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 uh, to lose a boat, to, to, to the hazards of almost drowning. I don't know how many, have, have you guys ever experienced, anybody here experienced Ever drowning? You? Oh my, you too, Sarah? <laughs> Mark's got a lot of stories here. One day he'd write his book and tell us. But drowning? Where were you drowned? Where you almost drowned? In the pool? Oh. oh, the day she learned how to swim. Couldn't you learn how to swim watching videos or something? No, sometimes you got to go in, right? The only way to learn how to swim is to what? To jump in the water, right? And you mark, will you? Oh, you're also on a pool. So you jumped on, and the, and the lifeguard was there, right? To rescue you. Oh, so you, you made it on. Huh? By the grace of God. And let me tell you, drowning, that, is that a bad experience or not, right? That... That is a bad experience. Eh? And I say that because I tasted, I almost drowned twice. I, I, should be doing, I should be doing more for God than what I'm doing. Because I owe him twice. I almost drowned twice. In Puerto Rico, in my wedding anniversary, which would have been a nightmare for that day to be remembered as the day that I died. Swimming, thinking that I'm, that I'm young like I was in Hawaii. Because when I was in my 20s, I almost drowned in Hawaii in a big wave. Because I didn't know how you deal with waves. And I tried to outswim the wave. And I got caught up in the wave. And if you ever get caught up in the wave, you're inside. I was in there. I was deep inside. And I had flashbacks. I saw my family. I saw my mother, my brothers. I said, okay, I'm dying. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian. But the Lord had mercy in. Somehow spit me back out. I don't even know. Next thing I know, my feet are on land. And I'm running to the shore. You know? And then in Puerto Rico, I just thought I could swim all the way out there and touch the divider. And then come back like nothing. On choppy waters, no lifeguard. And I remember I, 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 I went over there and I touched the line. And then as I'm 
resting a little. I'm saying, man, I don't know if there's sharks here. You see, my mind, I started panicking. I, I, I don't know these waters. What am I doing here? <laughs> and so for a few seconds, I said, wait, I better go back. And in my swimming back, I had no strength. And I was, I was, I was uh, that salty water, I was going into my mouth. And I'm praying, oh, God, don't let me die here. Don't let me die here. Please, Lord, on my anniversary. My wife is back there. She, I guess she saw me struggling. She got up. And she was worried. But God was good and gracious because God is gracious. And I was able to come back and be out of breath for, I don't know, so many minutes. Praise the Lord. But God has been good and God is gracious. And in this, and in this boat right here, and this journey that Paul is taking, it tells us that Paul, because of his experience, because he has been shipwrecked, he knows. And, and not only that, it tells us that this, this story has so much little details that tells us when is the time. Because they say that it was at the fast. If you look at verse 9, it gives us a, a timeline. It tells that the, this fast happened around this time of period, around September, October, it was the Jewish holiday, I believe. It was a Passover. So they know that that comes, this is like the most, once September, um, October, November, you don't go sailing no more, January. You, they stopped sailing back then because those are, just like now, right? We have the, the, the storms that happen now in these months, it, it, storm seasons, you know. And so Paul, either by the providence of God, by the voice, some people say this is a, a prophetic word, which is probably a combo of a lot of things, of his experience with shipwreck, and also the season, it's a bad season. He tells a man in verse 10, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our and to our own lives also. So he already had what? Right? The voice of the men of God, it's already speaking out, right? It's giving them a warning. Hey, it's not time. And, and you know when I, when, I, when, I, when I read that, you know? Here's Paul warning, right? He's warning the, the centurion. And, and thank God for that centurion because God sometimes put people in our lives that have favor towards us. This centurion named Julius, the, the scripture tells us in, in the story in verse 3, that he was kind to Paul. You know, that, that he allowed him to, to go to his friends and, and, and they provide for his needs. So we already see that God's favor, God's grace, you know, upon Paul because of this Julius, the centurion. Showing favors towards him. But in this case, right? In this instance, it seems like the centurion did not listen to Paul. But he listened to who? He listened to the advice of the pilot, right? And the owner of the ship, because a ship that they had switched to, they were in another ship, now they're on this ship. This is like a cargo ship. This is full of grains and all that that they bring into Rome. This is a heavy loaded ship. So we could see that there's what? That they, they, there's going to be great loss or, or 
uh, uh, you know, the, they're thinking about money-wise, right? Their goods, right? If, if they don't go there on time, because for them to stay at where Paul was telling them to stay, when you stay at a place at, at a harbor, and, and, and during this era, during this, you're not talking about I'm going to stay two or three days. You're talking about staying for months before you're able to sail again to their destination. So we can see all the kind of interests here. And then there is what? There is the ignorant, the, the ignoring the voice of Paul. And thank God for Paul because thank God that Paul is in that ship. Because Paul is not the captain. But at the end of the story, guess who's the captain? And guess who's they listening to? The man of God. Because when there's a person or a person that's connected with God, me and you ought to be the one that should be given the advice. Hopefully, me and you will be the one that God will use. I remember one time in jury duty, because of my, you know how shy I am, guys, right? You know, I'm a very shy man, right? But I remember one time, it was a lesson for me when I went to jury duty. And there was this case of this young man. Seemed to be after a basketball game, something happened. And I don't know if they stole something. And I remember that here I am, all these people giving their names and whatever. And so we say, okay, this is the case. And in my heart, I was saying, man, it would be nice to pray before we go to trial, right? It would be nice, this group, this jurors right here, if we could pray and before we, we get involved with this case. And I remember, I did not dare to say that. I did not dare to say that. But I had it in my heart. But get who stepped up. Some Jewish guy, a rabbi guy said, we ought to pray. Let us make a prayer. And I was like, I needed that kind of boldness or that kind of courage. And God ended up using somebody else to pray for that case. And that's exactly what happened. And at the end, he said, just pray whosever name you believe in, you, you say. But it was like that. But in this case, thank God that, that, that Paul was here. In this case, he gave a prophetic word. And you know what I'm thinking? You know, that, that, that God is wonderful. God puts us in favor with other people. And I don't know if you guys haven't been in favor with somebody else, maybe with a boss or maybe with another person, that you and, you and them click, they find favor with you in all things. But God does that, right? And I'm saying in this case, and if, and if this boat, this ship represents this church or any church that, that, that is telling you, you got to stay in the boat, otherwise you are going to perish. Then God has a man in the boat that warns us. And that man, you know who that man may be? Huh? You know who that man may be? That man may be the minister that God has placed. That man is your pastor. That man is the man that God uses. Because in this case, right, porn is warning. And how many of us, how many of us have been warned? Have you ever received a warning from the Lord here? Does anybody have received a warning from? And how that warning has come, right? It has been through the voice. It has been through the man of God. It has been through the minister, the pastor, the purpose that he's put here. To guide this boat, this ship that has a destination. And I thought of Sixto, right? And how God brings him here 
to bring us encouragement, to give you a word, right? Because you know what? There's a storm that's going to come into your life. Me and you are going to face a storm. And sometimes, man, we, sometimes <laughs> the storm to come to us, we look for the storm. <laughs> We ignore the warning. We ignore the word of God. We ignore whatever he tells us. And we go on our own. I'm going my way. I will not listen to the voice. And in this case, what? I, I imagine that, that the captain, the experienced sailor, the owner, when, when they were, when in verse 13, they tells us that they had this gentle breeze going their way, they must have looked at Paul and laughed, right? They say, you don't know what you was talking about, right? They, they say, oh, that, that warning that he gave us, that advice that he gave us. Look what's happening now, right? Everything is going well. But little did they know that they were going to face shipwreck. And one of the things is that they tell us here, that the man, you know, they, that, they, when that northeasterner came, when that, when, when that storm comes, and let me tell you, that storm is going to come your way. That storm is going to come, and they got hit, right? They got hit hard, right? They got hit hard. The, 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 the scripture tells us the ship was caught by storms and, and could not head into the wind. So we gave, look how it says, we gave it way to it and were driven along, right? Because sometimes you think, right? So far, everything is good. Sometimes they're able to control things. But when comes a time when you cannot stare your situation. Sometimes you ain't got no control of nothing. And God is letting you know, the only one that's going to protect you, the only one that's going to save you is me. When you lose hope, and, and this is a situation now they're facing because they didn't hear the warning. They didn't know what was coming. And now they're what? Now, that, that which they pressure most, their cargo, they're beginning to lose it. And sometimes in our disobedience, we may take great losses, let me tell you that. And over here, they, they're losing control of the situation. They can't stay at the ship. Because when you can't do it, you got to let go and let God. Now you're in God's hands. Now you're in God's control and power. So they let go and let, hey, just take us wherever you can. We, we, we can't fight this. But there's one that can. I know a God that walks in the waters. I know that God that walks in the storms. I know that God is there with you. I know that God is going to rescue you. Hallelujah. But you got to get to that point in that realization that, that, and it says here, as we passed, they passed a small island. We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. They had that little lifeboat that they secure, a little dingy, they call it, right? They, they brought it inside, right? That's the lifeboat that we will see later on in the story that I began with. When all the men, they say they hazardous, um, they, they, and, and you know what's beautiful about the story? If you're a sailor or you're a historian, it tells you that they did things that even historians look at here. How they hosted the ship. How they, they try to keep it together. They put ropes around it. They tighten it. You know, they, they try. Because when you, you could try to do as much as you can, hallelujah, with your own strength, 
But let me tell you, it is God at the end of the story that's going to take you. You do what, and over here it shows their experience as sailors, right? Um, and, and they tell us that, that after they did that, after they're doing whatever they can, they say they were, the, the storm was violent. It was battering. It, this is a bad storm. This is the kind of storm that you can't even see the daylight. They depended on the stars to guide them. They can't even see any stars here to guide them. It looks like a hopeless situation. Hallelujah. They threw, the verse 18 tells us that they threw the cargo overboard. They threw whatever they had overboard. Uh, they threw the ship's tackle, you know. Because sometimes whatever you're holding on to, sometimes you got to let go. Whatever you find that you think your life is secure in, your life is not secure in anything but God. Ain't nothing going to secure you except Christ himself. And over here tells us they, they threw that overboard, but the storm continued. And, and, you know, even verse 20 tells us we finally gave up all hope of being safe. You ever been in that situation where it looks hopeless, right? It, it just looks hopeless. That there's no way out, that, there, that there's no hope, right? But wait, but wait. There is the man of God. Hallelujah. The man of God is. And you know what's sad is, Paul, sometimes we get caught up in situations that we're not guilty of. Right? We got prisoners here. They probably were guilty. They're on their way of Rome. But that's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes we suffer with others. You know, sometimes when you suffer, we suffer too. Let me tell you that, church. Sometimes when you go through, when, 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 we, when we send out those prayer requests, don't we suffer with those that are suffering some kind of loss, right? And no matter what the situation, maybe because of you not taking the advice of the man of God, but we suffer with you too also. We're, a, we're on the ship together. We're on, we're on the boat together. Hallelujah. But you know, and I love when Paul says, man, you should have taken my advice, right? Not to sell from key. Then you would have spared yourselves in this damage and loss. Because that's how it is sometimes, right? How many, how many times do you think you, have, you could have spared a lot in your life if you would have, if you would have heed advice? If you would have listened to the voice of God, how much of your whatever goods, whatever, how much of that you could have spared? But you, some of us got to wait until we lose things to look for God or to seek God. We have to, we have to go through those storms, right? But, but look, you could have spared yourselves this damage and loss. You, you would have been much better off. But then the scripture, I love this. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And how, do, how can Paul speak like that? These are words of encouragement through a, to a hopeless situation. Because it tells us that they lost all hope. And he says, now look, he says, last night, oh, this is awesome, praise the Lord. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am. 
and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has what? Has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God. How many put their faith and trust in God today? Hallelujah. That it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on somebody. You know, even though you're going through the storm, and there may be some damage in the storm, but you're going to make it alive at the end of the day. Praise the Lord. And how do I know that? What do I stand for? Well, you got nothing but the word of God to stand on. Do you believe the word of God for you today? Hallelujah. That's all I got. I ain't got no lifeboat. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. Well, what do you have? I got God. I got his Bible. I got his promises that he will be with me in the storm. That if he has to walk on waters to go rescue me like he did with the apostle, he will do that. Because he's sovereign. He has power over all things. And it's a good thing that he sent an angel. Imagine that an angel appearing to Paul. Let me tell you who is in control there now. Who is in charge there now? God is in charge. And let me tell you, you want God to be in charge. You want God to be in charge of your situation. You want God to be in, in there in your storm. Hallelujah. You want his angels. And I love that. that angels are everywhere, man. I thank God for angels. I thank God for angels. You see angels, you see angels announce the birth of Christ. You see angels announce his resurrection. You go to the book of Revelations, ain't not but angels everywhere there. I see angels in the New Testament when Hezekiah faced a mighty army, a hundred to one, whatever numbers you, but the odds were against him. But let me tell you, when the odds are against you, you have God. And if you have God, you are a majority. If it's just you and God, you are a majority. And Hezekiah prayed, oh, Lord, look at the threat. Because here was the enemy boasting, oh, how had they destroyed the other gods, which were no gods. And Hezekiah says, look at the threat, Lord. Lord, well, I can't even lift my eyes to you, but I beg you to rescue us and save us. And the Bible says that he sent an angel. And that an angel destroyed the whole entire army. And and I, I'm, I'm not going to get you the verse. You look it up. I believe it's Hezekiah, the king. But one angel destroyed a mighty army. And they were delivered that day, praise the Lord. Just like me and you are, are being delivered by the grace of God. We are graciously being saved day by day. But let me tell you, take heed of the warning. Take heed of what you depend on. Take heed of what you rely on. Take heed of how you look at that lifeboat, that that's your rescue. You know, uh, your rescue is God. When the storm comes, he's the one that's going to deliver you, praise the Lord. And he said, and you know, his faith was just like God promised, so it, it will be. And how do I know? Because one of the things, if you look, if you look at Isaiah, right? Uh, Isaiah 41.10 says, he says, 
So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am with God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with your righteous hand. That is a promise by God in your life. Believe it. Have faith in it. Put your trust in it. That what God says come to pass. No matter how it looks. No matter the situation. No matter the loss. Trust in that word. Hallelujah. You know, and Isaiah says, Isaiah says, and 43 says, but now this is what, what the Lord says. He, oh my gosh, I, I got to end this, right? Hallelujah. I got to end this, praise the Lord. We're, we're in a different time frame. But now this is what the Lord said. He who created you, O Jacob, who who formed you, Israel. Isaiah 43, 1. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Look at that beautiful, right? You are mine. You are his. He has redeemed you. You know what that's saying? He bought you with his blood. Hallelujah. You are his. He, you are his. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set your blaze, for I am the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful promise of God for your life? Praise the Lord. And in this case, hallelujah. Paul. Paul gives them the assurance. No matter how it seems, right? Because let me tell you. We're not, let me tell you one thing that we ought to be. We are a people of faith. We walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. So no matter how it looks around you, no matter what the loss may be, keep your eyes on him who has power over all things. Keep your eyes on his word. Keep your eyes on his promise that he's going to take you to the shore, that he's going to take you to the other side safely. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. One of the things is that he said, and I wanted to make, I wanted to make so much emphasis on the pastor because, you know, it's good to have angels visited you and all that, but we're not going to experience that, those things. But then there is a man of God, right? There's the angel and then there's a man of God that we ought to take heed to him whom whose God has appointed over this, over this boat, over this ship that we are sailing on, that we are going to the other destination. He is the voice of God. And, you know, even the Bible calls pastors in Revelation angels too, right? Some will argue, well, what does that mean to the angel of the church or whatever? And some will argue that, but if it is pastors, he's calling them angels. He's the angel in this church. He's the minister. He's the one. Because there's prophets, there's evangelists, and there's pastors. And that's the role of the pastor. He's the one that calls you. He's the one that looks out for you. He's the one. You know what's beautiful about the story? That there was one there to intercede. Because let me tell you, you don't think Paul is praying? Don't you think Paul is praying for these lives? He is the one that's interceding on their behalf. And it's good. Let me tell you. It's good to have someone interceding for you. You don't want to be alone. 
You can never be alone. This is not about being, this is about being together. This is about a family. This is about us being children of God. This is about us sailing together to our destination. Praise the Lord. And God has put the man of God to intercede for us. To intercede for us. And he gives the word. And it just as it happens, it says here, I gotta, I gotta end this story. It says here that just before dawn, Paul urged them on. They cut the lifeboat. It all seems helpless, but what happens, right? You know, Paul gives a strong warning. And you know what thing is? Paul is faithful to the word. Because it tells us here that in verse 30, some of them attempted to escape. They were plotting this little, this little getaway, right? We're going to cut that little lifeboat, and we're gonna, all going to leave and forget them, and, you know, and, and, and that, that could happen, in, you know, when, when we're just thinking of ourselves. No, you can't be just thinking about yourself. We're all in this together. He tells them, unless they cut, unless they come back on board, unless they say, oh, we're all going to perish. Either we're all together or we're not. And the story is that they, they, you know why? Because they believe in the word of God, that what God had told them. They depend, rely on what God says, that, that it is true, that it will come to pass, that his word don't lie. And so they cut the boat, they let it go, and it tells us here that they started measuring, right? Oh, it's getting shallow and shallow. Now it's a good time. And what happens here, and I love the way, the way that almost at the end, they say they cut the loose, but in verse 42, it says the soldiers, they plan to kill the prisoners, right? You hear? The, God's favor is everywhere here. They plan to cut the, because why? Because if they escape, they were going to kill the soldiers, right? So they thought like that. But you know what? When God's hand is over the matter, nothing is it's going to happen just like as Paul told it. It's going to come to pass just like the word says. And it says here, but, but, but. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim. It says here what? That ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get the land. The rest were to get on planks on pieces of or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone what? Everyone reached in safety. And bottom line, that's how it's going to be, right? Some of us are going to swim. And some of us are what? Some of us are going to hold on to planks or pieces of wood. But we're all going to make it in different ways. But we're all going to get there. We're all going to make it. Depend on God. Trust on God. Stay on the ship. Depend on the Lord. God bless you. God keep you.